welcome to this, the second Cap Gemini training podcast. In this session, we're going to be talking about training strategies. I'm Clive Barber, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Mandy Lenheim, Ollie Button, and Mark Alden. We're all part of Cap Gemini's BTC Business Transformation Consulting Practice. How would we actually define what a training strategy is? You record it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cut that bit out. Yeah. No, I'm leaving that bit in. That's good value. That's, that's the gold that's right there. Yeah, yeah. Value. The gold standard podcasting. In my head, I think a training strategy is a document that designs, is a design to achieve a learning goal and it's aligned with business objectives. Yeah, no arguments from me. That's pretty much what I was thinking really and I think the important things there are when you're actually talking about business goals and objectives, any training intervention needs to be specifically designed around what the business is trying to achieve. And if you can't define and state what, what that is, then you, you should really question, question the business need altogether. Yeah, I think it defines a lot of the practical aspects of training approach. So about the sort of who, the where, the when, that kind of thing. So what approach are we going to take to training? What methods are we going to use? Where are people going to be trained? Who needs to be trained in what? Those kinds of things at a high level. Yeah, we should definitely talk about all the individual chapters or sections, if you like, of what your your document should contain. I also think it's important because to talk about, this, I guess there's different types of training strategies because we do mainly project work. So we will go in and we will do a training strategy for a specific project, for a specific piece of work. When a lot of L&D professionals in HR talk about training strategies, they're more talking about L&D strategies for the business as a whole. We're really talking about, because this is how we focus our work on looking at specific projects and and programs so there's a, there's a slight difference between those and, and specific goals but is there any difference in doing a strategy for a particular project to align it with the client's overall strategy for their learning for their business so it feeds into that there's no reason why it shouldn't be one element of that overall strategy i think it just tends to be that lnd professionals might do once a year overall lnd strategy whereas we will do something very project specific which they can feed into their overall one if they want to and adapt it but this does assume that they that they have an overall training strategy to to feed into so some organizations might not be that developed in their internal learning capability being a creature of a very simple brain <clears throat> I like to keep things as simple as possible. And if we think of strategy as a word, I, I think it basically sums up exactly what the document should be in terms of it's a document that puts forward the strategic way that we're going to have a success. And from there, it obviously links through to the relevant training needs and learning needs analyses. But it's that high level. This is what we're going to do. This is our understanding. And this is what we need to do to be able to go in and have the success that's going to achieve your goals. And I think one of the reasons why it is so key is, again, to get that understanding correct and agreed up front. Because obviously, if we go further down the line and we haven't got those things agreed, then there's obviously that risk of an increased risk that we could actually be going off tangents and therefore not actually aiming to achieve what they want. You mentioned their uh, learning needs analysis. Which comes first, the training strategy or a learning or training needs analysis? Good question. Personally speaking, I'd always go with the strategy first, mm-hmm. but you've always got the two things in mind at the same time, because without giving away all the magic secrets, there are certain pieces that can be reused. 
and therefore you should be creating them with half a mind. So it's uh, serving both of those purposes, or at the very least, know that with a little bit of fettling, that you can get it from the strategy into the into the learning needs. But for me, you have to have the strategy first, again, for that reason, that it's, it's setting the ground rules and the understanding of what needs to be achieved, which you can then build on and then drill down into the actual different learning needs as well. We normally do the training strategy piece first because as a commercial organisation that will give the client an idea of the budget they actually need. But there's no reason why an internal training department wouldn't do a strategy to look and measure the the budget of an internal programme as well. One of the things which, I don't know if we want to bring it in now, when I've written strategies in the past, whilst I've put forward approaches that I think are appropriate and the approaches that I think will work, I've not turned it into a diktat I've basically put it in such a way that this is the recommended approach, but these are also the other approaches around that that might also achieve the same goals so that the client has an understanding of, one, that we're given consideration to all the different elements, and two, that they've got all the things in front of them so they can make an informed decision. Is that something that other people have done, or do you have a different approach? Well, I think that approach is right simply from the fact that a strategy, whilst it's your best guess at the time, based on sometimes limited information, once you do the TNA or the LNA, you may actually agree to do something slightly different from, from what you, you, you said in your original um, strategy. I think that's a really important point, isn't it, in terms of we shouldn't be hamstrung to what we initially understand to be the case. And having that flexibility, as long as we're not changing our mind for the sake of it, I think is, is an important element of what we do when we understand more of the, of the of the information and the impacts. Sometimes when we do a strategy, though, we do the strategy, say, for two weeks at a, start, at a point in the project, and then we don't go back in for another month or so to do the needs analysis. So things do change. Inevitably. I mean, in fact, the, the project definition may, may change massively from our initial involvement. Quite often, deliverables are taken out of a project plan simply to, to reduce costs, so we would need to reflect those in the, in the training strategy as well. So, what is the difference between a training strategy and a, I'm going to call it a, a training needs analysis, a TNA from now. What's the difference between a strategy and a TNA? When you put together a training strategy, as Clive says, it's quite often at the start of a project and you might have to be working from a number of assumptions or some anecdotal evidence that hasn't necessarily been backed up with a lot of concrete data. So um, it may be that you put together your strategy and then the training needs analysis is a little bit more evidence-based. You're going to sort of conduct interviews, surveys, you know, interviews with focus groups, those kind of things. And you're going to gather in a lot of information which may potentially contradict some of the assumptions that you had in the training strategy. So for me, the strategy is a sort of relatively high level approach and the training needs analysis is a bit more solid, concrete evidence. I think that's that's exactly how I feel. The TNA adds a much higher level of detail to the strategy. So effectively, you should have potentially names of people that will be attending courses and even potentially the you know objectives written for each of each of the various courses. So that's the, that's the key difference, I think, is is the level of detail in the two documents. It's quite often the strategy and the TNA aimed at different audiences as well. In my experience, no, they kind of go to the same stakeholders for review and and sign off. I guess the only difference is more people potentially would be involved in creating the TNA, so would therefore want to see the outputs from it as well. 
Yeah, where I was coming from was a sort of thinking, sometimes when you do the strategy, somebody more senior on the client side might want to see that. And then once they're happy that you're basically going down the right path, they'll then leave the, the, the TNA, say to the training experts or the particular stakeholders in that area, they'll give them the responsibility to go and sign it off. When should you do a training strategy? I think you should try and do it reasonably early in the project because it's going to shape everything that you do subsequently. So it's going to help you define what is the effort required. So how many people are we going to need to, for how many days to deliver uh, the solution? And then you can then move on to the other aspects with a bit of confidence that you, that you know what you're doing. So one of the elements that needs to be included in the strategy is some kind of a high-level plan? Yeah. So who do you speak to to help you create your training strategy? I think the project sponsor is probably one of the key people that you would need to get on side and get a, a steer from. And then also if there is an existing L&D function within the organisation, then they'd be pretty pretty key to informing the, the, the existing landscape and history. And then presumably you need to speak to SMEs in the various affected functional areas? Yeah, absolutely. But I guess there's a balance between talking to too many and, and too few I think it depends on the, the complexity of, of what's being rolled out. I think the more complex it is, I think you have to speak to more people just because they might have a different view on the way that it's going to impact them depending on the different things that's being rolled out because I know we've all been on projects that have, are very wide ranging and therefore you can't help but speak to more people because one particular piece of functionality might impact one group of people and then another group of people might be impacted in a different way. I guess, obviously, sort of, you know, some of the finance things that we've rolled out, and particularly the way that they're linking to other areas as well, you'd end up speaking to more people than, let's say, if it was a simple rolling out of, say, a performance management tool. For me, it's getting that balance right between, obviously, in a TNA, you need to speak to as many people as you can, really, and, and potentially you would be doing questionnaires and talking to well anybody that's potentially affected. With a training strategy, you don't have often that opportunity or the timescales available to to spread your net as far and as wide as you might like so it's really getting the balance right between you know a volume of people and just having enough information to make those high level decisions upon which are going to help you define your budget and and the resource plan needed just to get enough information to get some sign off for, for taking it to the next step yeah i think i think that's a valid point there clive in terms of as professionals, when, when you've worked in these areas for a while, you do get a feeling, don't you, in terms of, I'm happy that this is correct. I've, I've not got any gaps. I've spoken to the right people. And there's no point speaking to people for the sake of it. So I think, it's, it's, as you say, it's what is appropriate to making sure you've got, you've, got, you've got the right coverage. How I've done strategies in the past is in order to get the answers that I want, I've done workshops with all the key stakeholders in the room to try and get it all answered in one big session done it in a few projects actually over the years and just try to get as many people as I can and get all the questions up and just workshop it out and then you can quickly work out what the gaps are and what's missing and who you haven't spoken to presumably then that eases your review and sign off as well yeah everyone's brought in they all get the same message at the same time and there's no misinterpretation million dollar question what chapters or what sections should a training strategy contain let's assume for sake of argument, we've got things like our table of context, contents, we've got our introduction and mission and objectives, and we've done our executive summary. What other things should be in there? Training principles. What do you mean by training principles? Things like 
training should be relevant and practical, flexible, simple and fun, that sort of thing, just a set of guidelines that they that the training should be developed to. So things like Kolb's method of, of learning with the four different stages, that type of yeah. thing. What else should be in there? You need a clear definition of the scope. So what what are we trying to achieve and what's not for us to, to work on? Which presumably would include the business needs, outcomes, key drivers, that type of thing? Yep. Success factors, by which I don't mean the software success factors. I mean actual success factors. So how you actually measure whether the success, the training has has been a success yeah absolutely and again obviously one of the first things we mentioned in in this in this cast was talking about making sure that we understand what the goals are and achieving those goals so so that would link into that absolutely and would that tie in with evaluation as well yeah absolutely i mean again whether you're using the standard you know the industry standard care patrick model or or something else it it, it has to link into that so I i think that's a key element and again, I think when we're talking about the strategy, we shouldn't assume that people know what Kirkpatrick is. So again, you would be able to go through and then give a suitable description of, of each of the different stages. Somebody mentioned earlier on when we were talking about what a training strategy was, the who, the why, the where, the what, the when and the how. And I guess that, that is in, in all of those sections are, are included in the document as well. So the population, the geographical spread of that population, then things like how we're going to design the training, how the materials are going to develop and, and how we're going to deliver the training. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess within that delivery piece, there's things like the learning methods that we're going to use, the, the, the blend of, of the different tools. And then within delivery, you're going to be talking about the, the, the tools that you're going to use to actually develop the training, which is a key thing for rapid development projects, generally IT projects, where you have a fairly short period of time to actually develop the materials, especially when you've got things like e-learning that need to be, to be built and delivered as well. You could get to a high-level curriculum in the training strategy if it's, if it's fairly clear what the uh, subdivision of roles and uh, training content by role is. You definitely put in who the impacted um, people are, so that would fall into the finance, HR, etc., wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, mentioned a, a plan earlier on, a high-level plan, and then budgets as well I think is important. So how much is this actually going to cost financially and in the amount of resource you're going to need as well? What a bit about the team, the work stream that's working on it, the division of responsibilities? Yeah, I think that certainly fits into the plan. So how is the team going to be built are you going to be using contractors consultants internal resource that type of thing use smes from the business because you might have different sets of people creating classroom versus e-learning versus adopting adoption platform type tools wouldn't you i also think something along the lines of the history of, of what has worked well previously what the company's current training methods are and whether they can be adapted or, or simply used for the for the, the program in question. Yeah, I think again we should never forget the learning culture because because that's such an important element in terms of what we should be doing to actually achieve their goals. So therefore, having that in the back of our mind should actually be one of our starting points because there's no point going down on a path and saying we're going to do X, Y, and Z if if we know for a fact it's already going to fail. So so yeah, I think that's a key element. But interestingly, how does that fit into how we would consult now on the new way of the modern learner? I think it depends on the client, wouldn't it? Because a lot of clients, if you said that to them, might stare back at you blankly. It might be a case of having to introduce that that idea, and even things such as you know formal versus informal training, and you know thing bits around that. I think 
some clients I'm sure will be already bought into that and understand what we're talking about. But equally, I'm sure an awful lot of them won't do. So I think it's understanding their background, which would have then enabled us to have the intelligent conversation or step back, have the initial conversations about what we're talking about and then be able to go down to that next level. That level of information would have come out within your, you know, the interviews or the, the workshop that you've actually done. And I guess the key thing is, is their appetite for using new methods of learning? Yeah, because that definitely should have come across, shouldn't it? If, you've, if you're asking the right questions, we should know the answers to that. So what are the key outcomes of a training strategy? So I think one of the key outcomes for this is, is getting the governance agreed, because not just for the actual strategy, but for the TNA um, and for the learning outcomes as well, because you need to understand the people that you're going to be working with and the people that are going to ultimately be signing off, because there's nothing going to be worse than you understand that you're going to be working with person X and you're getting down that path. And then you get to the point where you need sign off and they say, sorry, mate, not, nothing to do with me. So understanding right up front that you're going to be working with person X, their person who's got the responsibility and the accountability to be able to, to give you the sign off to progress to the next stage is a key element because we've all worked on projects where we believe we're going to be doing certain things and it turns out the right people haven't been spoken to, not necessarily even by us, but by people further up the food chain. And then you get to a point and then you suddenly find out, mm, why are you speaking to me? So I, th- I think getting that agreed up front is, is, is absolutely key and one of the key outputs. I've written down four things as the, as, the, as the key outputs. And I think one thing we haven't mentioned so far is, is constraints, i.e. the things that are going to make training difficult or, or problematic. And I think you need to bear in mind the constraints. And, and based on those constraints, you're going to come out with three key things. First of all, it's the methods that you're going to use to develop and then deliver the training. It's the budget, costs and resources required, and then the high-level plan. All of those things will be impacted by constraints and those constraints will be fairly unique to every organisation that you work with. And linking into that as well, the the risks and assumptions. I think one of the other outputs is to make sure that your plan includes the training development effort estimates. So to give a guideline of how long it will take to develop a piece of e-learning or classroom courses. So you've constructed your carefully crafted training strategy. You simply now need to get it reviewed and signed off. Who should be reviewing and signing off your training strategies? So to start the ball rolling, I think the the project sponsor needs to sign it off. If there is an existing L&D representative, then they probably need some kind of sign off from them about the approach and whether it fits in with their strategy. You'll need uh, probably some internal sign off from our functional consultants if we're delivering technology as well. I think we've we've caught most things for a for a training strategy so I think we should probably wrap up about now. So what we're going to do next what's our next podcast going to be? It seems logically and sequentially we should actually talk about a training needs analysis next in our next episode. Is it training or is it learning needs analysis? Uh-oh. We can talk what? about that. That's a good yeah. topic, isn't it? it? Is. Well, thanks a lot for listening. I hope you'll join us for the next one.